Good morning and good coffee, everybody. This is Morning Coffee with Larry, and today is going to be a great day. I can just kind of feel it because we're going to st- we're going to start having Illinois crazy weather again. <laughs> oh, anyway, hey, I'm glad you joined me today and join me for this series that I've been doing on marriage. I hope it's been helpful. Uh, we have had a significant increase in listeners, which tickles me. You know, it's not a whole lot of fun if what you're doing, no one ever hears. Uh, but uh, so far, it looks like that one on physical intimacy was the one that a lot of people listened to it and probably a lot of people shared. So thank you so much for sharing this. You know, when you pass it on your Facebook timeline, uh, you know, that, that lets other people be able to, you know, have an opportunity. So I really, really appreciate it. If you, also, if you listen to this on a different service, you know, than what the uh, uh, Anchor one is, Anchor FM, if you, like, if you uh, uh, pick it up out on iTunes uh, or the, uh, I guess it is through iTunes, the, the one with Apple, uh, where you use your podcasting app, if you want to leave me a review, that would be great. If it's a five-star review, woohoo! I really appreciate that because whenever the reviews are like a five, then they go, ooh, this is something that people are liking, and they make it more easily available. It's easier to find. So, you know, I really appreciate whatever you do to, uh, to help me out there. But, yeah, I mentioned about the weather. I was just pulling it up uh, here on Weatherbug, and... Well, today we got a 70% chance of snow, and tonight, tomorrow morning, it looks like we got a a good chance of freezing drizzle to make a nice icy glaze over everything. But don't worry, on Saturday, we're going to have spring thunderstorms, and then on Sunday, it's going to be partly cloudy, but mostly sunny. So, you know... (sighs) we're just going to have the whole gamut here. This just kind of cracks me up. You know, um, March is always unpredictable. And I remember one time, actually, I think it was the first weekend in um, April, we had gotten a big snow uh, and had a week of really cold weather. The problem was this was would have been in uh, 1992, and at my old house I had this corner flower bed that uh, the people who had the house before us had just planted 120 tulip bulbs, and I was so looking forward to seeing what that flower bed would look like. And so they were all coming up; they all had their buds out. You know, a couple were just starting to open, and then we got this dump of cold and and snow that stuck around for a week, and it basically just, you know, kind of uh, killed them off there. And uh, it was, you know, it kind of concerned me because, you know, if you if you take a tulip and you do that to it, it's it's spent all the energy from its bulb. It has now lost its bud. It's not going to fertilize. Um, so the next year, I was looking to see what was going to happen. I only had five tulips come up out of that 120 bed. And the rabbits immediately ate them off, and that was it. Oh, it was just, 
but that's that's just the craziness of weather. So we're going to have our share of that today or this week. Anyway, getting into our topics, uh, what we're going to be covering today is marital expectations. What do we expect? You know, it doesn't matter where we're at or what we're doing. We have expectations. You know, I was I haven't had breakfast yet, so I'm just mildly hungry. Uh, but, you know, when we go to restaurants, we have certain expectations, don't we? You know, there's some that are going to be common among all restaurants. Uh, you know, you expect to have, you know, a clean bathroom. You expect to have sanitary food conditions. But then there's other expectations that are just kind of unique to whatever that restaurant is. You know, so, for example, uh, McDonald's. I do not expect it to be the healthiest food out there. But what I do expect is consistency. I fully expect that a Big Mac in one town is going to taste, look, and be exactly the same as a Big Mac in any other town's McDonald's. I expect the fries are going to be exactly the same. It's kind of like Coca-Cola product or Pepsi or Dr. Pepper, pick your favorite soda beverage. You don't want, you don't expect that when you open up a can, ooh, I wonder what this one's going to taste like. No, you expect consistency. So that's what I expect from McDonald's. Now, if I go to a Thai restaurant, we've got a nice little family-run Thai restaurant in my town. What I expect is that food to be flavorful, and I expect it to be different. I do not want them serving American food at a Thai restaurant. I want it to be different. I want to be able to try things that I've never thought of, heard of, or tasted. You know, I expect different and I expect flavorful. Whenever I go to a professional ballpark, you know, if I go down to Bush uh, Stadium there in, in St. Louis, watch the Cardinals play, I expect that the food that I buy in the stadium is not going to be that very good, not going to be great quality, but I expect it to be very high priced. Uh, I expect that if I'm going to have a hamburger and fries and a drink, that I'm probably going to pay $15 to $20. That's what I expect, because that's that's just what they consistently are. Um, and then uh, if I go to a five-star restaurant, you know, top of the line, I do expect it's going to cost a lot, but I expect very high-quality food. I expect very good service. And I expect that that meal is not just going to be a meal that fills me up. It's going to be an experience that I'm having. I mentioned the other day uh, uh, there in Branson, a restaurant that uh, my buddy Carl uh, took it, my wife and I too. And it's called Top of the Rock. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely amazing. It is a destination restaurant. It is one where... Yeah, you go there and uh, you drive a distance if you want to, and you're going to have excellent food. And the whole experience is just, you know, better than the food even. So, you know, we have different expectations. But now let's pull this to our marriage. 
you know, what kind of expectations do we have? Well, I want to talk about them kind of in two different ways. One is, you know, um, when we, when I think about it, I guess, and this is kind of coming from the counseling point of view, you know, um, where do we get our expectations when it comes to marriage? Well, they can come from different places. And probably the original place that we get our expectations from is our family of origin, our parents. What that's because that's what we saw demonstrated. You know, if we grew up in uh, a family where uh, our parents stayed together and stayed married the entire time, well, then we, you know, we develop certain expectations just on that performance. If the marriage split up, then there was something going wrong. Because I don't know too many people that get married with the plans to divorce. Uh, but, you know, how the, you know, how did mom or how did dad handle uh, those trying times? And there can be expectations that develop out of that. You know, whenever I used to do a uh, lot more work in the substance abuse field, uh, there were expectations that grown children of alcoholics had uh, that sometimes would set them up for finding a spouse that was alcoholic. And, and so, you know, you have a lot of impact from that family of origin, both good and bad. So, you know, that's one of the ways that, you know, where it can come from. Um, sorry, just kind of lost place here. On my notes. It can also uh, come from a past marriage that we've had. If we have already gone through either the death of a spouse or a divorce, then we have that firsthand experiences from that first marriage that, you know, there's going to be certain expectations that come forward. And, and you know, that, that can be where we get certain expectations. We can also have expectations specifically from discussions and observations with the with our our spouse. You know, they develop when we when we first meet each other through kind of that friendship phase, the dating phase, courtship, and marriage. We develop certain expectations that are based upon that. Maybe it's it's just from observing that person. Maybe it's from conversations about how we want our marriage to be. So we, we get our expectations in different ways. Now, one of the things that I would, you know, that I look at whenever couples come to see me for counseling is I look at a few other factors to see, uh, to kind of evaluate what those expectations are. And one, one of them is, do we expect our spouse to change or do we expect them to stay the same? You know, we met this person. We had a lot of fun, you know, dating and decided, hey, let's let's get married. Now, do we expect that person to stay just like they were? Do we expect certain changes? Do we expect certain speed of change? You know, as I as I talk about this, one one couple that comes to mind, they had been married 
don't know, probably a decade. They had some little kids. And the the wife, I guess you could say the wife drug her husband into counseling. And as we were talking, there was, uh, you know, definitely expectations was a problem. When they were dating, they were, you know, it was like fresh out of high school. They did a lot of partying. They ran with friends. Uh, they were, you know, didn't have kids for a few years. And that was very much their lifestyle. And they had, he had his set of friends. She had her set of friends. And they did stuff as, as a couple, but they also did a lot of stuff just with their friends. Now, fast forward 10 years, there's kids in the picture. The wife was very frustrated because her husband had been consistent. He had not really changed. His behavioral patterns, his lifestyle, his the different things that he did uh, when they were first married is what he was still doing. And, and she had the expectation that he was going to change. Then he was, as the discussion continued, he was quite frustrated <laughs> because here it was, you know, he, he really liked her. She fit into his lifestyle. Things were going really well. And then when kids started coming, all of a sudden she started changing. And his expectation was that she was going to stay the same. Does it sound familiar? And so, you know, what are the expectations that we have? You know, that's one that can take place. Another thing that I look at is, um, is the relationship expectations, are they balanced or are they one-sided? You know, are the expectations leaning too much towards just one person? Because when things are out of balance, they tend to get more out of balance. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I, 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 I get so many chuckles watching uh, the show Big Bang Theory, and I can definitely understand why it, it has been on the air for so many years. But one of the, the, the key parts of that show that has continued uh, from the very beginning has been the roommate agreement uh, the expectations that Sheldon wrote and uh, makes Leonard have to follow. Leonard's very easygoing. He can roll with stuff. And Sheldon is as rigid as rigid can be and has this very detailed roommate agreement. Uh, and it wouldn't be a bad thing, except it's completely one-sided. And that's the problem with it. Having, you know, uh, a set of expectations and agreement uh, is not in and of itself a bad thing. Uh, it can be a very good thing in many cases where it reminds us of what are the most important things out there. But whenever, you know, we have it out of balance, there's going to be resentment. And you can see this developing over the course of the show and how they develop the characters out. Leonard was getting more and more resentful of the roommate agreement uh, because if one person starts 
the person who it's whatever, you know, when you have this out of balance expectations, if one starts, the one who it favors starts feeling some sort of a threat, that's often the heavy, heavy hammer that comes out is on the, on those strong expectations that are, you know, again, one sided. The third is uh, with expectations. Are we flexible with our expectations or are we rigid with our expectations? Again, it doesn't have to, you know, we could, we could play with the example of Sheldon, but let, let's just kind of look at it separate from that. You know, do we have flexibility? If we are setting things or, or establishing things, do we allow for flexibility? Or is there a level of rigidity that in, in lack of flexibility that is not functional, isn't working? Uh, you know, there's, there's going to be variations. You know, maybe you set the expectation, you know, um, where... You know, the wife takes care of everything on the inside of the house and the husband's responsible for everything outside of the house. Okay. I know a lot of couples that kind of, you know, do that. But what happens if, you know, there's an additional need? You know, is there going to be flexibility? Will he come in and do things in the house? Or is he going to be rigid and say, no, that's yours? Or is... If there's additional needs for outside the house, you know, is she going to say, oh, I don't do outside. I only do inside. You know, is, uh, you know, where's the flexibility? Well, plain and simple, you know, flexibility helps things go a lot better. Now, that's within reason. That's within reason. I think there are hard uh, lines that need to be drawn. You know, if we're looking at marital Fidelity, you know, I see that as an extremely strong uh, rule that should be followed. We should not be cheating. We should not have open marriages. Some of you that may be listening to this are like, oh, you're old-fashioned. Yes, I am, because sometimes old-fashioned works. You know, we can look around society today and see a lot of experimentation taking place. And guess what? May look good that first little bit, may sound great, but guess what? It don't work real well. I like time tested kinds of things when you're looking at that, but I'm kind of going off on a tangent here. Um, but you know, no, we, there's certain things that are destructive. They may look seem enticing, but they're destructive, and we should draw lines there. Um, and then the uh, the fourth is is really looking at just kind of in a broader context, are these expectations reasonable? Are they reasonable or are they unreasonable? Now that's a subjective assessment, but you know, that's a thing that, you know, we need to look at. Is it reasonable? Is it reasonable for this couple? Is it reasonable just overall? So those are things that I'm looking at. Now I want to kind of pull in on a little bit more of a practical kind of specific level, I had come across this um, uh, article, and it's uh, from last year by Tonda Bayan, and it's from the website uh, Divorce Magazine, and it's titled 12 Reasonable Expectations 
that could save your marriage. So I kind of like the idea that this divorce site that you'll know, find divorce lawyers, watch these free divorce videos, that they do have an article here. Um, you know, and, and it starts off, you know, as life evolves, so does marriage. Couples who learn to accept reasonable expectations, which must include spending quality time together, could save their marriage and make it more rewarding than they ever thought it could be. So they got 12 reasonable expectations, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about you know, each one of them, but I just, I'll, and I'll put a link so you can see, find this article, uh, but just wanted to kind of touch base. What are things that do seem reasonable? Uh, and, you know, maybe you, you, as I go over this, you're kind of like, you know, raising your hand. Hey, yeah, we do that. We have that pretty good. Or, Ooh, Hey, that may be something to, to think about or look at. Uh, so the first one is commitment in the marriage. Yeah. Commitment. You're there. You're present. You're, you're defending it. You're committed to the marriage. Number two, there's verbal affection. You know, what's verbal affection? When you talk to somebody and you can hear that you are affectionate towards them. That's a good thing in families. You know, there may be things that the kids do that we're not happy with. And maybe that kid is on kind of a, a wrong track or, or something like that. Or maybe you're not in sync with your kid. Well, verbal affection, at least, you know, what that does is that keeps an open door. But if you aren't doing verbal affection, whether it's a spouse or whether it's a child, all of a sudden that person starts developing pretty negative beliefs, such as, you know, they really don't care about me. They really don't love me. They don't even want me around. So verbal affection is a pretty powerful thing. Number three. Compassion and empathy for each other's feelings. Yeah, compassion and empathy for each other's feelings. In other words, validate your spouse's feelings. If they're upset, don't just try to throw out a fix. You know, listen to them. Let them know that, yeah, that makes sense. I'm showing some compassion. That makes sense that you would feel that way. Um, you know, empathy. Empathy is, you know, when you're able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Number four, respect for each other. Hey, that was the second uh, topic that we covered in this series. Uh, respect. Find out what it means to me. Number five, consideration for each other's differences. There's a quote that is attributed to uh, Billy Graham's wife. And uh, that, that quote, my paraphrase of it is, if in regarding marriage, if two people are the same, there isn't a reason for one of them to be there. In marriage, there's going to be differences. You know, it's those differences that often attract us to each other, but it is compatibility that allows them to stay together. Let me say that again. Attract, differences attract us. But it's compatibility that allows us to stay together. So having appreciation and consideration for those differences. You know, uh, my favorite restaurant in town and what they serve is, you know, I just love it. Uh, but my wife is not a fan of that particular item. Okay, we're talking about a particular place is fried chicken. And I can, every time I go there, that's all I get. I look at the menu. It's stupid. I don't need to look at the menu. I'm only going to order that because I love it. But 
My wife prefers chicken from a different place in Maine. Now, if I'm going to bring take-home chicken, it was me only. I'd be, I know where I'd be going, but that isn't fair. I need to be considerate of the differences. And so I will also go to her favorite place to bring take-home chicken. Yeah, if my honey's listening to this podcast, I, I, you know, I try to do that. Okay, anyway, uh, number six, spending quality time with each other. While understanding that each spouse has time commitments, so it's still finding quality time. You know, my wife, the other day, she said, I need to spend some time with my husband. I need some time with my man. And that's because right now she's in the middle of Girl Scout cookies. And it's crazy because she doesn't have a small troop. She has an extremely large troop. She doesn't deal with a few hundred boxes of cookies. She deals with several thousand boxes of cookies. And, yeah, she's, she's been focused on it, and we just need some, some date time. We need to uh, take off in the evening and go get high-end coffee. Um, which one am I on? Oh, number seven, showing interest in each other. And what each is involved with, including opinions and ideas, work and activities. Yeah, showing interest. That's just common courtesy, showing interest. Maybe we're not into that. But if, you know, if our spouse needs to geek out on something that they're really, really into, well, then do that. Get into it. You know, it's your spouse. Doesn't mean you have to make it your hobby, but... Get into their excitement about it. Physical closeness is number eight. Hugging, holding hands, touching, and other simple physical gestures count. And they're vital, no matter what the couple's sexual life is like. Yeah, physical contact, just like I was saying the other day, it's not just about the sexual act. It's about all the other ways that we can contact physically. Number nine generosity of thought, spirit, and action towards each other. You know, generosity is when you give. We a lot of times think of it financially. Oh, that's a generous person. Look at that. They, they gave a, a large sum of money to a school or a library or, or you know, an animal shelter. Um, but here it's, it's, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say financially. Generosity of thought. Sharing your thoughts, offering your thoughts, generosity of spirit, you know, that may tie into our spiritual beliefs, but also tying into just that, that essence of who we are, you know, generosity of that, generosity of action towards each other. You know, when we get done at the dinner table, if I'm getting up to put my plate away, I reach over and I grab my wife's. You know, that's, it's a generosity of action. It's not that I'm choosing, you know, it's not like I'm choosing it. I just automatically do it now because that's, that's the thing I try to do. Do I do it a hundred percent of the time? No, that's where we need to have flexibility. Um, number 10, acknowledging that there are other important people in, in each spouse's life, such as friends, their family, colleagues, etc. That it's, it shouldn't just be all about us, all about me. It's not about me, 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 me. I need all this me, 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 me time. No. You know, 
Our spouse has important people in their life. We need to understand, recognize that, and, and let that be okay, as well as, you know, in the relationship where it's okay to share in that, to do that. Number 11, making time and creating opportunities to have fun and laugh together. You know, this ties in with dating. We need to continuously date our spouse. So making time and creating those opportunities. You know, a lot of times we'll say, well, I may not have quantity time, but I try to do quality time. Well, I get that. But we got to have a certain amount of quantity time because you can't just automatically plan perfect quality time, whether that's with our spouse or with our kids. So making time and creating those opportunities to have fun and laugh together. Finally, number 12 is open communication and sincere listening to each other, which can easily fail if there isn't an effort to continually work on it. That's like riding a bicycle. You know, if you're riding a bicycle, you may go down a hill and you can stop pedaling and coast. But if you don't start pedaling again, you're going to be stuck at the bottom of the hill because you're not going to have the momentum or the energy to get up to the top. So open communication is one of those things where it has to be continually worked on. And it needs to be sincere. Don't just sit there and listen and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry, what would you say? Yeah, we all get preoccupied. I get that. But we need to put that extra effort into it. Continuing on it, this includes discussing each other's thoughts and needs and hopes for the future they share or have individually. Looking forward, looking forward. Don't always look in the past. Past is fun for remembering and, re and reminiscing, but we got to look forward. You know, do you? Well, that was kind of interesting. I didn't realize there was a 30 minute limit <laughs> for recording. So uh, I was right at the end anyway. So I will wrap up for today. You guys have a great day. And we will catch you tomorrow. Take care.